0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast 194. Anthony Rodriguez, he is back. Venezuelan, racing in Brazil the last few years. And didn't see this one coming, but uh, yeah, A-Rod is back. uh, Riding 250 Supercross for the Motor Concepts team, so I'm looking forward to talking to him. FXR Racing, man. Phil Nicoletti, Enzo Lopes, Brock Tickle. Uh, The whole club, J-Mart, all on FXR Racing. There'll be many other privateers out there as well. FXRRacing.com, designed by racers for racers. The 2022 stuff is looking really good. they got multiple lines as well, and they have uh, casual snowmobile stuff as well. You should go check out the FXR Racing uh, lineup. Pulp X 30 is the code to save at FXRRacing.com. So, yeah, use that code and save with FXRRacing.com. Thank you to the folks at Firepower Parts, firepowerparts.com want to talk talk about supporting privateers well for years these guys have been doing that whether it's kate or a ray or chiz or the gopher dunes guy or whatever um mason kerr i just hooked up with uh, firepower they simply love privateers they love giving out their chains uh that are made in japan featherweight lithium batteries uh that are, are, are lighter than stock and they work just as well and uh weight means everything when you're going racing right and also they got oil now made by a leading oem manufacturer so they got a lot of stuff going on at Firepower Parts dot com. Thank you to those guys, Maxis Tires, MXSTs, used by Cade, used by A Ray, put in the Supercross main events. They got something new and exciting coming this month as well, so stay tuned for that. maxis.com for more information. Light truck tires, trailer tires, great mountain bike tires over there at Maxis. So thank you to all those companies for supporting us. Oh, and you know what? I don't think I said Race Tech. My bad. They are privateer proven. Pulp twenty twenty two is the code to save, or Pulp twenty three. Either one. Uh, thanks to the folks at Race Tech. Uh, whether it's a suspension work, whether it's motor work, they'll have you covered. They work with a lot of privateer teams and a lot of privateers over the years. Shit, Malcolm Stewart won Montreal Supercross one year on Race Tech stuff. So they'll help you in. They got it. They got a, a uh, um, WP spring conversion kit. They do really well in. So please check them out and get your oil changed, Get the right spring rate. Get the right. Uh, 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 bushings and oil for the forks and make your suspension work better so that your bike will love you as well. So uh, we'll tell you more about Namira, Roost, uh, Zools, and Seat Concepts as well. They're all on board with this show um, for 2023. I want to talk to Anthony here and get uh, get his story. So let's do that. And then uh, we'll be back to tell you some more about some more of partners we have. But in the meantime, enjoy. Anthony Rodriguez. And now, as promised on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island podcast, uh, a guy that I've known for a long time and Looking forward to catching up. He is back in America, and he is riding Supercross again for the uh, Moto Concepts guys. It's Anthony Rodriguez. What's up, A-Rod? How are you, man? Not much, man. How you been doing? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, and uh, congratulations, man. You got a ride with the uh, Bullfrog Spas Honda team. They're they're very well-run uh, team. Good bikes and everything. Um, yeah, take us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, man. It's been, it's been a long journey to get back to the States again and Race AMA Supercross is Mm -hmm. something that's been in my mind this entire time. Obviously, the way things went for me, I didn't have the opportunity since 2019. And well, since I got back to California with the team, I've been riding the bike a few days here now. And it's been amazing. I love working with the team. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting used to the 250 again after three years of not riding it has definitely been a little different than I thought. I thought it'd be harder than Mm -hmm. expected. But um, yeah, overall, I'm very happy with what's going on. Yeah, that's that's awesome. How old are you now, by the way? Yeah, I look a lot older than what <laughs> I am actually. Everybody asks me this question. I just turned pro when I was eighteen, but yeah, I'm um, I'm twenty seven. Yeah, okay. I think I'm above thirty. For right? Some no, must be the beer.
0: No, I, I thought you were around there to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But um, so okay, uh, you've been in down in Brazil the last little while. Did you reach out to Tony Alessi, Mike Genova? Did they reach out to you? How does this come together where uh, you get another shot at this?
1: So I was racing Arena Crosses in Brazil and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Josh Hill went down there and Breeze and the series is getting bigger down there. And um, the last round was built by the same people that built the tracks for World Series. Okay. And so I believe there was a lot of people watching this race just to see how these guys built the tracks. And um, actually, Tony Alessi hit me up after watching the race through Instagram and, that's how it all started
0: no way really wow i remember breeze telling me he was going down there but honestly i never even saw the results so so did you win you must have won
1: yeah yeah it was um two days in a row event Mm -hmm. they 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 ran it as two different races for point reasons okay so it was four moto total but two rounds right yeah over there they do two motos per round and i was able to win all four of them so it was a pretty good weekend for me
0: nice okay so then tony reaches out on instagram and says does he give you a tryout or does he just say we're looking for a rider
1: well the conversation went as i like what i saw i saw a mature rider that can put a lot of laps in Mm -hmm. and there's a chance that i'll talk to you to be in our team for world supercross and whatnot and um the conversation started like that Mm -hmm. and things changed throughout the Conversation And now we're here getting ready to do West Coast. So are you doing the world then too, or is it just a West Coast ride for now? As of now, it's only West, <laughs> okay. but um, it is preparation in hopes of doing the sure. World Supercross sure. season.
0: Look, you've always been fast in Supercross. You've got a lot of top tens. Uh, you crashed a lot, but I feel like, you know, you're older now. You, you've been away a little while. Like maybe this time race in moto and winning in Brazil will... Um, like just mature you a little bit on the track, right? Like a little, I don't know. How do you feel getting back on a, on a soupy track?
1: Oh, I feel really good. It's definitely quite the story to tell. I feel like I've grown up a lot as a human being, not just a writer. I mean, in 2019, I had an injury caused by a mechanical issue and um, I was out for six to seven months. And throughout that time, I picked up a regular sales job. I was selling coffee at walmart and is no way and, uh, really <laughs> yeah and i actually decided to quit it was a decision for me to quit that year mm-hmm. i didn't want to do anything with dirtbags anymore and um the coronavirus hit right and yep. um the owners of the company that i worked for didn't want to let me go of the company and they were very kind to me at NewGround. and um the guy actually texted me today phil and he wanted me to do videos so i started running bikes again to okay being on the company on the marketing side of things and i'm sorry that i'm telling you the long story no it's, go ahead uh, no go ahead he helps a lot with the way i see things now Yep. and then i started riding again just doing videos i learned how to backflip and um
0: <laughs> okay
1: i just i started loving how to you know i started loving riding motorcycles again like i never did even more than when i was a child yeah and then a guy got injured in brazil for factory honda and they called me up and I started racing again. So even though it wasn't planned, it happened. Mm-hmm. And I've never loved racing more than I do nowadays. And with that being said, my approach to racing is different nowadays. You know, when mm-hmm. I was 18, I turned pro. I was a rookie at star racing. I knew they had bikes that could win. So obviously I was a very good rider as an amateur rider. I mm-hmm. won basically everything the year before I went pro. But I did get injured and I went into the Supercross season with Zero racing for almost a year. And then there I was with the speed to be top three. I was third for seven laps. But I was not used to the racetracks Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And, yes, I did crash a lot because I wasn't prepared mentally. And um, nowadays it's a completely different approach. I feel like I am way more on the consistent side than I used to be. And the speed will come to Mm -hmm. me whenever it's ready to be added to my program.
0: Yeah, I, you know, you look at a guy like Zach Osborne, who was a highly touted amateur and kind of washed out, went to GPs, came back. Uh, Rodney Smith, speaking of Brazil, right? He went down to Brazil back in the day, came back to America, was a top five guy for a while. Like, almost because you couldn't, and I don't don't take this the wrong way, but because you couldn't stick in America, it does force you to maybe reevaluate things and rethink things and then you get a little older, you get a little more mature, you know, because you've had speed. We've seen you go fast. We know that. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean you you go to uh and Uh, It sucks to say this, but it is a third world country, right? And I'm from Venezuela. And you go back to those places and you see the racing teams and Mm -hmm. the racing situations are definitely far less than what you get here. Mm -hmm. You can make a living doing what you love. And that's great. That's why I did it. But it's definitely nothing compared to what I have here nowadays. Sure. I remember when I was the star, if it was raining or the track was hard packed, I would complain about it because <laughs> I was just 18, right? I didn't right. know. Yep. And then I went to Brazil and I'm riding the most hard packed tracks that have not been worked on for six months mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it. So that's how much the mentality has changed, right? Where before yeah. I just wanted things to be perfect and to do a great job to nowadays enjoying even a track that you could ride on a pit bike. On a 450.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 really. So did you kind of have
1: to tell Honda Brazil that you're, you're out, like that's, that's it? Um, yeah, I talked to them, yeah. and um, we all left in good terms. Obviously, the fact that I'm still riding a Honda probably made it easier for me mm-hmm. on that aspect. We are like a family over there. The teams, we're all very close, and um, I'm still helping them. With certain things, and um, there is a chance that maybe I could do a race for them over there. That's not one hundred percent sure. That's mm-hmm. farther down mm-hmm. the road. Yep. But um, they were great to me, so I'm trying to be the best I can be for them.
0: Nice. Yeah, that, that's great. So, um, you know, I spoke about Rodney Smith way before your time. Uh, he went down to Brazil uh, and and won a bunch of races and made a bunch of money. My buddy in the late '90s, Anthony Pocoroba, you might have heard of him. He raced in Brazil, won a bunch of races. But my point being is at least from what I hear, it's pretty lucrative to do that. Um so have you done well for yourself the last few years down there?
1: Yeah, I can't complain. I mean the last three years um were the first time basically that I had a salary right. again uh-huh. since raising a star racing. <laughs> it's nothing like the US, correct? But um Yeah. But living down there is a lot cheaper due to the money exchange rate mm-hmm. and You can make a comfortable living if you're there. It's actually really good. Right. But there's only probably about six to five guys that can make that living, right? And um, those guys are fast there, man. I have to tell you that. They're really, really fast in their home tracks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm buddies with Enzo Lopes, right? And, and, uh, Yeah. yeah, he tells me all about it, too. Same thing. He's like, some of those guys, man, they... He goes. They don't care. They just send it. They don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know this, right? <clears throat> right. And when I went over there after MXGP, I didn't go over there with a cocky head, but I knew I was going to fight for, for the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they made it a lot harder than I thought. That's for sure. I told I would finish the guys, and I would tell my competitors, "I'm like, dude, you guys, two of them are from Europe, right? One of them's from Spain, and one from Portugal." Okay. And I'm like, you guys are really fast. You know the pace we're doing now is like <laughs> top eight MXGP. Like you know you could be over there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but what are we gonna do over there getting ninth and having to pay our way to a races, you know? Like
0: Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that because you wrote you rode Factory Honda for a little bit in the MXGP. I want to get to that too. Um, dude,
1: you've you've written a lot lately. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell <laughs> right. people when I go into teams, I'm like, hey, I'm not a good test rider by choice. I just had to become good at it. Yeah. Because I would always end up riding for two teams per year. Yeah. Because <laughs> I either only had a supercross deal or yeah. I would be a feeling rider for great teams. Yeah. Twice a year. You know right, what I mean? Right.
0: I feel like I feel like you're a little better at Supercross and Motocross. Am I right on that? Just when I think about your career, are you a little better indoors than out?
1: Um nowadays I feel like I'm the same. Okay. Back on my star days I would say it was probably the same as well. Mm-hmm. Because I mean I got a top five at Hangtown and that's yep not an east west race you know what i mean right. that's yep. both 250s together and i remember when i rode kawi with um traders i got on a on a 450 for like 2 weeks and i was able to get a top 10 but you are right i have been given better results at supercross but that's due to the way my career has been because whenever i would race outdoors it was either a feeling ride or not mm-hmm. prepared at all with that being said 2018 when i rode for kemea yamaha I got a few top five overalls and a lot of top five motors in the 250 class.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, I guess. You're right. Um, so, Tony Alessi, you didn't know him. He reached out to you. He hired you. Um, anybody I've talked to that's ridden for the Bullfrog guys, um, they're really impressed with the way Tony handles things, and the, he gives you a yes or no answer. He'll get you what you need. If he can't get it, he'll tell you. And certainly, like we just talked about, you've been on a lot of teams. So how, how has it been working with Tony so far?
1: It's been great, to be 100% honest. It has been awesome. I really do love the way he approaches things and the way he talks to you in the matter that he's not adding pressure, Mm -hmm. but he is wanting you to do your best. And the mentality of your boss, this way being Tony, has a lot to do with how you feel on the track. And he has an amazing way of looking at things that he makes me feel very comfortable working with him and doing what I'm doing, feeling at home.
0: Right. Oh, that's nice. Uh, one of the things, like you said, you've been riding 450s, been doing motocross, you know, longer motos and stuff. Uh, although you did that race in Brazil, the, the arena cross thing. You got to get, and I, I I know you know this, but, you know, come come Saturday at Anaheim, the mentality of the 250 class is different, right? It's go, go, go. Uh, uh, I'm going to ch- try to chop your leg off in the turn. It's you, Are you, are you re- trying to get that sort of... Um, I don't know, turn your brain off mentality a little bit, uh, Anthony? Like, you got to kind of get that back, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely different. I know the way the 250 riders approach things are different than the way 450 guys do. Yep. And um, even the first few days on my 250, I would coast through the turns a lot without mm-hmm. using brakes and just use momentum. And I've had to change that more into the 250 mm-hmm. riding style. But I think I'll be ready for it. I'm definitely going to try to get good starts and stray out of. Try to stay out of yeah. all that 250 drama, because that's <laughs> definitely something I don't want to be in. And yeah. um, I'm working a lot of my starts to try and make that happen. But yeah, it's definitely different, yep. and I and I look smoother, or I would say cooler in the 250 yep. than I do in the 450. <laughs> I know my friends when I went to these nations in for Venezuela. Mm-hmm. They're like, dude, what happened to A-Rod? You're like straight jumping everything, and this and that. <laughs> and I'm like, man. And then I saw this videos and pictures of me in the two fifty, I was like, What happened? I just got cool again. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, you're like, Yeah, wow, imagine that. I don't know if Sealy's been around. He's gonna do some races for you guys apparently. But you know, he he raced the world stuff on two fifties and dude, he was like, I forgot about these dudes. He's like I forgot how insane these two fifty guys are. Like I just kinda like, hey, just chill down. Like I wanna just let's get through the turn here nope nope he's like it's just everybody trying to saw your front end off so that's yeah, just, just something.
1: Go, 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 I'm right
0: sure. right it's just something you have to you know try to recapture right because i mean at one time you were like that right but um you're older yeah, now correct. yeah so um it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes anthony rodriguez on the fxr racing race tech suspension privateer island life uh, again thanks to roost namira firepower Maxis, Zool's Bag, Seat Concepts, all on board with this show as well. And looking forward to uh, Anthony racing Anaheim this weekend. Um, yeah, so, okay, back back in America. That's awesome for you. Uh, let's, let's go back a little bit. So the star thing, two years at star, uh, some good results, some injuries, like you said. And then you go from there to traders. You picked up a, a Butler Brothers ride in there. I think you showed up as a privateer on a Cowie one time. Um, yeah. So the star thing, like didn't go as perfectly, like you said, but kind of take us through that and then your next few years of, you know, finding fill-in rides and, and, and rides with the lower-level privateer teams.
1: Yeah, so, you know, um, this is something that I've thought about a lot, right, because I study my own career to try mm-hmm. and make it better every day. And when I was a star, and this is not an excuse or anything like that, but I moved to America when I was 14 by myself. And although I had Colleen around me to help me all she could, I didn't have family around me to guide me in certain things Mm -hmm. outside of motocross, you know what I mean? I was just a child that raised himself to motocross and I approached motocross differently then because I was just like I gotta win to get results, to get a job, to pay my bills, because since I was fourteen I have been doing that, right? And um And it's crazy to think about it. When I was 18, I had just gotten comfortable living in America since I left Venezuela. You know, I grew up with a very, very close family, and Mm -hmm. I still do, but it's all over the phone. And then it came the time where I needed to go to California. And even though I did for like a month or two at a time, it was was hard on me mentally, just being at a place. I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready. And I know there's a lot of 18-year-olds out there that would be ready Mm -hmm. to just do these things, but I wasn't. And... With that being said, I wish I would have been stronger mentally to move to California and spend the entire year in California getting ready with my team. But that didn't happen, right? So I can't go back in time and fix it.
0: Well, also, and, um, also, also, uh, I mean, Star is not an easy place. Bobby, the owner, Brad, they're not an easy team. They produce results, but they also don't, you know, I don't think if you look at them compared to Geico, Geico was a little more nurturing of a team, let's say, you know? So... If you're not ready mentally, they could, they could also make it worse.
1: Yeah, in a way because, you know, this is how I've compared it to the factory Yamaha team I had in Europe. Uh-huh. Um, the U.S. program, they gave me an amazing bike and they gave me everything I needed to do great results. But it was up to me to make it happen, mm-hmm. right? Like it was your training program, your diet program, you find your own practice mechanic. Yeah. Where in Europe it was a little different approach like for and i'm comparing it because it's very different the way the two continents look at motocross differently right sure. over there they take pride on creating a rider so over there i had maybe a smaller salary for the guys over there but you have a practice mechanic that's with you 24 7 they put a trainer per team mm-hmm. they're making sure you're eating the right thing so they're guiding you in all these things that you might not be ready for but with that being said Again, it is 100% my fault that, mm-hmm. that that didn't play out perfectly because I just wasn't ready mentally or mature enough. And I'm not talking about the track; I'm talking about outside the track, me as a human being. Yeah. But then I went to Traders, and um, you know, I did not feel at home with that bike. I didn't feel the best, but I tried to put in the work. Skip Norfolk and would, was doing a great job as a team manager. Um, We were maybe a little short on parts and making the bike fast and whatnot, but he did great. Mm-hmm. Even Kenny Day as a man a year. It was, it was good. I wish that team would have gotten farther because they were knocking on the door to become a greater team. And then after that, the Bottle Brothers, that thing happened like two weeks before the first race. And it's like the story of Anthony Rodriguez. <laughs> Every time I go racing, <laughs> I just get a bike like a few weeks before, and obviously, you're not 100% ready. Yeah. Then that same year, that's when after Vegas, I had no contract, and they called me to go to Europe to race for Factory Yamaha. And first race, I got like 14th, and I ended up getting fourth as the best motor. So those six months with that team really did help me looking at things differently. Sure. And yeah. preparing me, and I realized how, hey, you can't get the best result with one month of preparation. It just doesn't happen. So the following years after that, whenever I got a bike or a team or an offer, I wouldn't go in and expect to get the great best results in the first few rounds. I know it's a work in progress. And now Mm -hmm. with the smart tub team, it's a little different because I've been on a ride for the last three years, even though it was in South America, I actually had been riding and training where you mentioned that earlier, you talked about factory Honda Europe what happened that year was I raced Supercross out of the back of my truck. And after Supercross, you know, I was basically broke. I didn't have money to go do outdoors. I didn't even own a dirt bike. I was basically going fishing on the weekends with Barsha and doing cardio on the weeks. You know, like I did not ride a bike at all. And then one of their guys gets injured and I go over to Europe. I ride the bike two weeks and I get a 12th and an 8th. And that ended up being a two weekend deal only. But, yeah, that's how up and down the story has been. Yeah. But the last three years have been consistent, and I'm trying to sure. keep it that way.
0: Yeah. What was that like filling in a factory Honda over there, MX, MX1? What was that like?
1: Well, that was actually 250, oh, 250. not mx sorry, MX1. yeah,
0: sorry, MX, MX2, yeah. 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 how was that?
1: Man, very, very corporate. Yeah. A ton of parts. They made me feel really comfortable. With the bike really quick, but they was did that, was that Garibaldi? a lot.
0: Was that Garibaldi? Or was that Martin Hart- No, Hart- that Martin?
1: was the year before it went to Garibaldi. Okay. That was
0: Paolo Martin pa- in oh, Italy. Yeah. Paolo Mar- so, yeah, it was, it was still uh, before they went all 450 then. Yeah.
1: Correct. Okay. And um, nothing to complain there. It was great. Yeah. We did do a lot of corporate things. Like every time I was done racing, I would have to sit down with my Japanese Honda guy. Mm-hmm. And there was this book that we would go. 1 through 5 how good was the clutch and you would have to put at 3 or 4 or 5 and explain why but it was yeah, like yeah. it was like 15 pages
0: and and uh, yeah and that was something like hey this is what you got to do so um i like you said you got some good results but uh, man you know i i know from talking to guys now in 2022 like there's guys that are top 10 in MX1 that are making $30,000 you know and, and and out of that they got to spend money for rent and everything else like there's no money except for you know whatever the upper 10 percent of guys right
1: correct yeah and i i wouldn't be able to explain exactly why but here's my theory i think the teams have to spend a lot of money going to all these races and having two mechanics per rider Mm -hmm. and having two race bikes on the way to indonesia when they have two other race bikes in Belgium, racing that weekend because a weekend after that they got to be in Indonesia or whatever, so I think that the teams spend a lot of money in logistics, leaving not so much money for riders' salaries that's my theory
0: yeah i i I think some it does seem like the system over there is a little broken because, yeah, I just can't believe that some of the some of the things I hear about really good riders not making any money, you know I mean
1: yeah, and it's unfortunate, you know like. Yep. I know from my personal experience. Like in 2022, I was doing really, really good. And um, if I was a year younger, I would have probably signed a really good deal for a 250 team. But mm-hmm. I aged out. Yep. So, but like you said, in 2019, 2018, yep. I know there was at least eight to ten riders making a living out of racing in the 250 class, and about the same in 450. But you are right. I I have been hearing lately that there is probably only top seven in MXGP that yeah. actually make a decent living.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty crazy. Well, over here we got Beta and Triumph coming in, so maybe some more rides. Um, ultimately, Anthony, I mean, if this season goes well, you'd like to stay here, do world stuff, and and stay here longer, or or is this? Do you think your return to the USA is just for a year or so, and then you'll go back? Like, what 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 do you, what would you like to do?
1: So I was talking to my mechanic about that today, and I'm like. I love that the team is with me 100%, as in, we're not asking you to get a certain result. We want you working. We want you putting your 100% and racing every weekend. We don't want you going over your head. And I told this to my mechanic because I'm like, I want to get results that are good enough to stay with this team for as long as I can because Mm -hmm. I enjoy working with them. I like the bike. I obviously like living in America. This is home to me. I've lived more here than I have anywhere else. And the championship is great. And this World Supercross Series, I think, is giving a job to a lot more riders like me that did not have one before, possibly. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to be here for as long as I can. And whenever my age starts being towards the limit of the sport, I would probably love to try to raise some rally docker and things like that
0: oh really oh wow yeah you're into that that's 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 pretty scary to me like talking to yeah. sh- talking to shorty about it you know shorty shorty did it and it's just like seems insane to me but yeah, yeah. When,
1: whenever i had that regular job then i switched over to the marketing yeah thing one of the videos was the reno to vegas race oh it was 500 miles and I uh, man i i i probably never enjoyed riding a dirt bike more than i did that day it was oh that's cool i loved it how long did you go
0: without like really riding and when you decide to quit
1: Oh, so that was probably a good eight months, one hundred percent out of yep. the bike And when I did get on it, all I did was that five hundred mile race, and I didn't even do the whole five hundred mile. Right? It was <laughs> yeah. a three guy team. Yeah. And my buddy Cristan let me use his two fifty to learn how to backflip and McNeils. So that's <laughs> all I did in twenty nineteen, basically.
0: <laughs> Jeez, that's a really cool story, though, from from quitting the sport to. Racing in Anaheim, you know uh that's that's pretty I think neat. it
1: was the best thing that could have happened to me because honestly, before I quit, I was looking at the sport not with the same eyes that I do nowadays or that I did when I was a kid. I was kind of like not angry on the industry, but kind of mm-hmm. disappointed, and sure. it was like, man, I'm working so hard for no reward at all whatsoever, and I quit, and I was happy with the life I had, but then I got on the bike again, man, and it's just I'm like a kid again, I love this more right. than I love anything.
0: Thanks for listening to Anthony Rodriguez on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life podcast. Don't forget, fxrracing.com and Race Tech. Big supporters of this show, big supporters of uh, lots of things we do at Pulp. So. Also, Namira Pistons for over 20 years. Namira has been pushing the limits of value and reliability in the world of engine components. Whether you're restoring your 80s race bike or rebuilding your 450 motor, Namira has what you need, featuring a full line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, and coming soon, engine valves and complete cylinders. Follow them on Instagram for giveaways and exciting new products in 2023. And uh, please follow the Navira Invictus Speed Crew this Supercross season. They're helping out uh, those guys and doing big things, supporting the sport. So thank you to the folks at N- Namira. As well, we got Seat Concepts on the board with us. Uh, super stoked to have those guys on. They're proudly uh, ha- handmade and developed in USA by true motorcycle enthusiasts. Seat Concepts offers a wide variety of seat options from stylish replacement covers to complete seats. As well as various height and width profiles. Please check them out, seatconcepts.com. The best part is the code to save is uh, PulpMX23, is the code to save it, Seat Concepts. These guys are all things seats. Whether you're hitting the motocross track or gearing up for a trek across the country, Seat Concepts has something for you. Uh, thank you to those guys for coming on board with us. RoostMX as well, roostmx.net, 48 hour turnaround for those guys and custom graphics, custom uh, um, uh, pit shirts. Easy ups, all that kind of stuff. So, thank you to those guys. Um, RoostMX.net. Pulp Nation is the code to save. So, you want some graphics, you want some number plates, you want them done right, and you want them done fast. Pulp Nation is the code to save at RoostMX.net. Thank you to those guys. Zool's bags as well. Traveling uh, made easier with the folks at Zool's. They have a ginormous gear bag that'll fit everything you could possibly want and then they have the carry-on stuff and uh the normal size ones as well so please check out Zool's bag Zool supports Pulpamex Fantasy we're stoked to have those guys on so uh thanks for listening to this podcast myself and A-Rod here's the rest of it how does call how do you end up at Colleen Millsaps when you're 14 like uh you know obviously Ernesto we know Ernesto Fonseca stuff and we know other guys that have done this but how do your parents just drop you off because you're really good at motocross how does that all happen
1: it was kind of like that. Um, I was really good at the Venezuela level. Mm-hmm. And, um, my dad doesn't know this, but I was ready to quit. I was, mm-hmm. I knew the, I knew the track that I practiced on, like the back of my hand. It was the only track I wrote until I was 13. You know, like it was hard pack, easy, no rush. Mm-hmm. It was just too easy. Right. And, um, I won South American races and things like that. And there was not really a challenge for me. So I kept bothering my dad. Please take me out to America. Like, there's doubles, there's rods. <laughs> and the bigger reason I kept asking them this it was because I was I was kind of bored at home, like yeah. it was it wasn't challenging, and it was kind of like the same. And I'm not saying racing; I'm talking more about the practicing. Ch- yeah, races yeah. are always challenging, right? And um, Lorenzo Kurschel had actually gone to MTF for a. Um, a camp or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like hey why don't you just go try it out raise some winter amps and so my dad had a tow truck company at the time he sold one of the tow trucks to a four and we went over and i actually did very well and i loved it and i told him like this is what i want so they did a big sacrifice as a family for me to be at colleen's mm-hmm. and luckily ended up working out for me i would say but um you know my dad couldn't stay with me he had to work at home so that the bills could be paid colleen had a lot to do with my career because she helped me a lot if it wasn't because of her we wouldn't be talking today and also her facility just helps a lot right you're coming from another country you don't have to buy a house right you can just buy a motorhome and your utilities are there your tracks there your gyms there i was a 14 year old that couldn't drive so everything was at the same location and i had people looking after me so that was the only possible way that could have been done. Yeah. And at the time all I knew was how to twist a throttle right. I didn't have <laughs> to nick. So yeah. she was really good at Reforming me, remaking me—I would say—and teaching me the right way of doing things.
0: And then Barsh is trying to take your front end out everywhere, so it's perfect.
1: You Actually, it. <laughs> he tried taking everyone out but me. Yeah, okay. He liked me, and I—I I was coming. I had a bad a bad knee, so Colleen told him, "Hey, please don't take this guy out. He has a knee that needs some work on." So yeah, I had I yeah. had no takeouts from Bam Bam. Oh, that's
0: good. Good to hear. Oh, that's good. Um, and, and so we just went over. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Uh, have you had Oldenburg out with you uh, here? Yes. And, yes. and then how do you feel compared to him? How do you look? Uh, how is it to, compared to him?
1: He's obviously faster than me, right? But mm-hmm. I'm taking it day by day. Yep. And um, he's a really good rider. I see him out of the track, and he's doing really good. I would say I'm around a second slower than him. Yep. Um, hopefully, at the races, I can be closer than that. But again, this is a work in progress. Sure. I'm not expecting to go out there and get a top five. But if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised either. I just simply don't know what the pace right, is. Right. So I'm only focusing on myself and well, being the best that I can be. I mean, so if that's a 10th, yeah. I'll be happy with that. If that's a 12th, I'll be okay with that as long as I go to bed that night knowing that I gave him my 100%.
0: Yeah, I mean, Freckle's a podium contender guy. So you have a good shot, right? Like you have a good uh, guy to chase because he's great. He's a great rider. So Yeah, and know. I
1: remember having this conversation with you before I went pro. You were probably my first interview as a pro. It was right before the first round. And I told you, man, I'm, I feel fast. I'm going faster than Gavin Faith. And he's got a podium the year before. Yeah. So I don't see why I couldn't be a podium guy, this and that. And I remember your reaction then was like, whoa, those, those are big shots. Good for you and the confidence and yeah. that. Right. And then I obviously had the speed, but I couldn't get it done. And yeah. Nowadays, it's a little different. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely going to give him my 100%, hopefully start off front, like you said, I know I can be really fast. Yeah. But um, what I want right now is to get the best result by doing 15 solid laps.
0: So you've lived all over the place recently, right? Like Europe and Brazil and, and you're back in America and all this. What what do you like about living in Brazil or in Europe as opposed to the USA? Like what what, what do they do better than us? Is it food? Is it driving? What is it? What, what's, what's a couple of things?
1: Well, driving is pretty good in America. There's a lot of respect in the roads out here. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, Driving in Brazil is fun. You definitely have to be watching out. <laughs> the food over there is great. Um people are really nice. Yeah. Training over there is maybe not as good as over here. Their tracks, this and that. Yeah. Um my experiences in Europe have been great. The best place I've lived at is probably Hasselt in Belgium for six months. Okay. And I loved it. I love their approach at life of how they're a little more calmed down, a little more chilled, yeah. In a lot of aspects. But I definitely have to applaud USA for being the most professionals when it comes to getting things done at the right time and the way people say they're going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Like you can trust an American word more than you can a South American per se. Not in a bad way. <laughs> but... do, you,
0: do you mean like in the moto industry or like just a plumber? If you just call a plumber, you know he's coming at three o'clock in America and in South America, the plumber may never show up. Is that what you mean? Or
1: That's yeah. kind of what I mean. Okay. Yeah. All you right. know where I'm coming from. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, no, it's good to know, for sure. So, uh, But I
1: definitely, I just recently went to Venezuela also. It had been seven years yeah. since I didn't visit. It was seven years that I didn't see my brother, so it was nice to do all of that. Oh, that's awesome, then, yeah. What a beautiful place it is nowadays. I was mind-blown with the mountains, the beach, and everything. So, you know, I'm really lucky that I have, you know, my green card, Portuguese passport, so I can go to Europe whenever, and mm-hmm. the Venezuelan one. So I've had a lucky Output when it comes to that, I've been living in a lot of great places, but um, there's not really any n- huge negative in any of the places that I've been.
0: Dude, the stories you're gonna be able to tell your kids one day of the things you've traveled and what you've seen and done is pretty cool. You know, oh I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, I guess a lot. You'd love to just be in USA and be you know make uh, Barsha's money your whole career, but. Uh, you are rich in experiences, Anthony.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm You know, I'm not sitting in loads of cash and whatnot, but if you ask me, would you change anything that has happened in your career or life? And if I had to go back in time, I probably would not change anything because I am very happy with the way everything has happened and the experiences I've gained. Not everything is about money, right? But-
0: no, no. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're right about that. So in Brazil, it's a huge country. What's the furthest you're traveling for a race?
1: We were very lucky in the last three seasons that we did over there. Supposedly after COVID they kept it um, a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So for me the farthest travel was like maybe twelve hours. But I know in the past it was like very, very difficult to get from one place to the other. But I never got to experience that. Are you flying? Are you a factory guy
0: and you're flying or are you driving?
1: Actually the way they approach over there it's kinda of funny. It's like a soccer team. We had our own little bus mm-hmm. and all the riders and mechanics would get in that bus mm-hmm. and go to the race together. And the motorhome over there is different. The rigs are not full of parts. Yeah, Their rig is like a moving hotel because you have some of these races in the middle of nowhere, and the sure. closest hotel is like an hour. Yeah. So that's how things worked over there.
0: Uh so the last time I did one of these with Lorenzo, uh, your buddy, a little while ago, he told me Venezuela was super unsafe at the moment. Is it better? I don't. I don't. I don't follow the news. How's yeah, Venezuela? So is it better?
1: I was really scared. Well, not really scared, but I was curious, right, as to how it would be because it had been seven years. Yep. And it is not – like with uh, Lorenzo and I, we were together there actually like just this past month. Okay. And um, our sponsor, Furia, took us over there to do a few schools for the up-and-coming younger motocrossers in mm-hmm. Venezuela, this and that. And, man, I was mind-blown. They When I was a little kid, they would have these like not-so-legal stores in the walk paths right by the streets. Yep. And you couldn't really walk. It was just all little stores. All of that's gone. There's no more – kidnapping or phone stealing. Like I was shocked, man. I was really shocked. And if you would have asked me that question two months ago, I probably would have said the same thing that Lorenzo said then. Yeah. But after I've went there personally and experienced it myself, I would never say that it's an unsafe place to visit nowadays.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know there was uh, some political stuff going on with the oil and uh, I don't know, some other dictator guy or something a few years ago.
1: Yeah, a few years ago, more than seven, I would think. Yeah. I know we got bad. And you know, that's the output we all have in the place because that's all we got to see in the news. And, you know, it it really was bad then. I'm not saying that it wasn't Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. But nowadays, it's just a lot better.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, I want to thank the folks at uh, Roost MX, of course, Namir. Pistons, firepower, Maxis, Zool's bag, seat concepts, and of course, FXR racing, and uh, the folks at Race Tech as well. Uh, have you ever used Race Tech, uh, Anthony? I might have used Race Tech somewhere along the line, but
1: um, I think I might have when I was in Venezuela. There was this Race Tech distributor yeah. over there in Venezuela. This yeah. is when I was a little kid.
0: Yeah, probably right. Uh, you mentioned motocross the nations earlier. I talked to you a little bit there. Uh, those have been really cool races for you guys. Uh, what are, What's a couple ones that stand out for you?
1: So Venezuela has only qualified with two of them, okay. right? And both of them being at Redbud. So that was awesome. Um, I had a few bad motos this year. My footpeg mount broke in one of the motos. The LCQ I started up front, but I fell in the second turn, and my glove got muddy. But before my footpeg broke, I was battling with Caroli, so it was amazing. You yeah, know, it was yeah. a really good feeling. Too bad the weather did what it did. But I remember as a 16-year-old, yeah, 16-year-old racing the one in Lomo. Man, what a track that was. That was <laughs> yeah. the earliest track for a 16-year-old at Lomo. But it was fun, man. I loved it. Um, yeah. You know, Team geyser and Seaward, they didn't have the strongest team. So they ended up in the LCQ with me on Sunday. And I was super pumped that I passed them both, right, especially that I mm-hmm. didn't know how it would be on a Sandtrack. track yeah but unfortunately my bike blew up with like two laps to go so uh, it is what it is but it was a great experience as well
0: yeah I've, I, so I, you've only made the a main twice i didn't know i didn't realize that okay yeah huh yeah yeah that's you guys are like canada for a long time my country canada we didn't make the a main forever man it's it so uh so the lcq at the this Nations this year was epic for you guys yeah that was yeah that was epic wasn't it yeah
1: yeah i had a great start and um You know, I crashed, and I Mm – my hands – I don't know how, but I crashed in the first lap, and I got up in second still. (laughs) But anyways, with my glove, like, falling off of the grip, um, (laughs) I ended up getting arm pump, and I was fading back. And then I had this deal with Lorenzo where I told him, hey, if I'm going a lot faster or you're going a lot faster, just yell at me so I'll let you by. Uh And the guy did an amazing race. He was coming from the pack, and um, I heard him. I let him by. He went all the way to first. And we barely just made it in, but it was amazing. You know, the LCQs at these are always They're, the hardest race. Everybody's just giving it their 150% yeah. out there.
0: And then, of course, you make it, which is awesome, but then guess what? You got two more motos.
1: <laughs> yes, and in a condition like that, it, it was so yeah. unfortunate. Like, we cleaned our bikes and whatnot, but I had overheated it in the first moto. And we yeah. didn't know, and it blew up in the first race moto. I, it is what it is, but we made history, man. Venezuela yeah. qualify.
0: <laughs> I think I think you guys got it on the last lap or the second last lap. I think it was close. Yeah, yeah like it. Yeah, was, it was it, on the
1: last lap. Like um, Lorenzo needed to pass for the lead in order okay. for us to qualify. Was that and it? He needed yeah, Like two laps to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. It was super exciting. I watched it from the media tent, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" Because that they were having the countries that were making it. And it was like three of you guys. And, yeah, uh, on
1: my end, yeah. it was kind of embarrassing for me. Like I faded so bad my team's like what <laughs> happened? And I'm like, dude, I could not hold on. My hand was so muddy. And yeah. back then, I would use full diamond grips. Yeah. So you could imagine how slippery they were. And it's yeah. just like, it, it was like it was not a race to remember for me, but hey, that is I made it in, so that's great.
0: Yeah, that's all that matters, right? And and I and I guess going to these races too, it's a it's a huge fun a fundraising effort for the, everybody in the, in Venezuela
1: right? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. you know, I was looking forward to it a lot because I had a good year in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my shot to show the world that I'm still fast. And, you know, I did great qualifying. I think I qualified like eighth by on the lap times. And when the track was good, I was really good. And then it got muddy and I just had a lot of bad luck happening to me. But it was a little bit disappointing for me because of how much I expected to battle with the guys up front because I knew I could. Mm-hmm. But it didn't end up happening like that. So whatever. Now,
0: um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is whatever, right? I mean, like you said, you're just trying to do the best you can at that point. Um, you Is there a particular race you're looking forward to this year? Is it, is it Anaheim one? Is there one that stands out for you looking forward to?
1: Actually, I'm looking at all the races with excitement because I've never done West Coast. Oh, really? So, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is the first yeah. time doing West Coast, and I'm very intrigued to see what it's all about.
0: Yeah, well, um that should be interesting to see. Uh did did you ride much supercross before you got this gig? Like I know you mentioned that arena cross, like did you sharpen your skills up in Brazil at all? Like how did you how many years did you go without touching a supercross track?
1: So the last time I rode an actual supercross track must have been 2019. Mhm. Yes, because 2019 is the year I got injured at the end of the year. So yeah, early 2019, um, I did that year as a privateer at the back of my truck, and that was the last time. In Brazil, the last three years, I've gotten to ride an actual somewhat supercross track once per year on the last three years, because only the last round is built by the guys from Europe, and mm-hmm. they build it really got, really good, yep. but it's only that racetrack, right? We don't have practice tracks or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So when I came here, I was like, oh, man, I don't know how it's going to be. But I picked it right back up. We do so many Supercross laps at MTF as a young rider that it just comes right back at you.
0: Right. Where do you live in Brazil? Where did you live?
1: I was in Curitiba this year. The year before that, I was in Belo Horizonte.
0: Okay. How far is that from, like, you know, um, the capital?
1: So I'm like four hours south of Sao Paulo when I was in Curitiba. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Uh, I saw a video from that arena cross now that I thought about it. Uh, It was on it was on Brice's Instagram, I think, and had a really low ceiling. It looked like and but it looked like a fun track, like it had some red and white uh, tough blocks everywhere and stuff. So, yeah, it looked kind of neat. Looked kind of fun.
1: Yeah, that track is really good, man. I I would say that it's a little bit bigger than an arena cross, Mm -hmm. smaller than an actual supercross. But in the rhythm sections, you have just the same height and distance than Supercross.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. Wow, dude, what a story. Tony Alesi watching the race <laughs> DMs you. You must have been like you must have been like, Is this really Tony Alessi? <laughs> Is this really Tony?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Like the whole team and I we were celebrating doing burnouts yeah. and this and that. And I didn't see the message until the morning after. Uh, and I'm like, he must have butt dialed me when he was stalking me or something
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's awesome so two things come to mind when i think about uh some of your crashes that i've witnessed over the years two two ones come to mind first is the glenn allen one where you went all the way down the hill you uh and then there was one at bud's creek where you went too far to the right and you landed on the bank of the finish line um i think that was with butler brothers uh was that what year was that Do do you remember that you wait where at at buds uh at,
1: no i didn't race outdoors you, for, didn't,
0: you didn't do okay
1: uh oh that was a honda that was at the back of my truck yeah was that I your, remember okay that, well, you, race.
0: oh yeah 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 so those two come to mind uh they were big ones dude
1: <laughs> they were yeah they went at glenn helen man i wish i would have seen this before but i should have talked to ama right like the yellow flag guy from the lip of the jump yeah. could not see what happened after the landing he was a blind spot yeah so I jumped and then there's a dirt bike landing Lane, right where right. I was gonna land. Dude. And it wasn't the flagger's fault. It just they needed a flagger in the landing to tell the guy in the face of the jump, hey, right. there's a bike in the middle, you know? Yeah, I mean?
0: dude. So were you both were you okay on both of those? Like Yeah, yeah. I was hundred
1: okay. no, percent okay. and the one in Buzz Creek, I got cross routed and mod yeah. and I actually dislocated my left wrist, but they put it right back in place. I didn't even need surgery, luckily.
0: Oh no way, really. Because that yeah. one was just like a like you hit the wall, stopped, cartwheeled, oh, just boom, it looked like a bomb went off.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, no, <laughs> I, I got cross right before the face, whiskey yep. throttle to the side, Yep, and it wasn't a pretty crash, but luckily I got away pretty good.
0: Okay, so we talked about all the bikes you've raced lately, all over the world, not including this Moto Concepts bike, because I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, we know that this bike is your best bike ever. We already know that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what has been the best bike Uh, that you've had like I I think about all these 450s and 250s and which one stands out for you these different teams you've been on
1: you know it's crazy when I answer this question because people don't believe me okay but (laughs) my 450 in 2012 with JGR suspension you know that big old Yamaha that nobody really liked yeah I love that thing for some reason I really, really love that 450. Really? Like 12. Yeah. And then I would say that the best handling bike was probably my HRC bike in Europe. Mm-hmm. Definitely not the most power, but it was definitely the best handling I've ever had.
0: Huh. I would not have thought you would have said 2012 Yamaha. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Nobody nobody expects that answer. But, no. man, I remember how fast I was in that thing and how comfortable and consistent I was and yeah it was good right. i feel people either loved the thing or hated it, and like ninety percent of people hated it, yeah. right so
0: <laughs> what was the best track you've ever raced outside of the u s a
1: That's a good question um I would say Turkey and Europe is the most fun, yeah, but maybe not the best for racing and um the one in Brazil that we just had. forgot the name the last round of the outdoors man what a fun track that was amazing it was like racing at barsha's compound you know okay it's very unlikely that we like the tracks over there this one was just (laughs) someone who knew what they were doing and they spent the money a little 65 rider i think his name was octavia or something Mm -hmm. his dad made the track and it was mind-blowing oh that's cool
0: yeah huh well uh thanks for the time man on this privateer island podcast uh it's really cool to see you back it's a great story I hope it goes well. Um, you know, just a guy uh, coming back to America. And I, like I said, I think you'll be a little smarter, right? You're a little older, a little more mature. You've been around. Uh, we know you've got the skills. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to go well for you. And then, and then Tony Alessi is going to look like a genius, Anthony.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. And thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. And I hope that people love this story. And I hope the story keeps growing from here on. And like you said, yeah, yeah, 15 Strong Slap and trying to get my best results and hopefully – making the tail end of the story the prettier that it's been
0: yeah absolutely man well good luck with everything i'll see you i'll see you saturday uh at anaheim and uh and yeah man thanks again for the time
1: thank you very much see you then